Hello and welcome to our latest R&D podcast. Uh, my name's Jamie and I've got Alex Price from Forest Brown with me. Um, so we're going to go through some of the latest stats from HMRC, um, a couple of case studies and we're going to talk about um, businesses with the December year end. Um, so with that in mind, I'll pass you over to Alex. Good morning everybody. Um, thanks for the introduction, Jamie. Yeah, so, so what happened recently is the Revenue and Customs um, issued their statistics for the, the, the most recent tax year, so we're looking at 1617, so we're always running at about a year behind. Um, and what was interesting with those statistics is uh, there were a couple of interesting things I think that uh, it's worthwhile uh, talking about in a bit more detail. So the first of those is the number of claims submitted to the revenue in the last year has more than doubled. So, you know, not just gone up by 10, 20, 30 percent, it's actually doubled in terms of the numbers uh, of people put, submitting claims. Um, for SMEs, the average claim value for 1617 is 53,000. It's actually 53876, um, which is interesting because, well, just to take a step back, for 1516, initially the revenue had said that um, the average claim was around about £60,000. They've actually revised that figure now, um, and the figure for 1516 was £43,000, taking into account all the most, uh, the most recent claims that have come in. So now for 1617, they've said it's £53,000. So what you can see, it's still increasing. So, you know, in terms of how we, how we look at it, the actual figure for 1516 was around about forty-three. Uh, the figure for 1617 is around about fifty-three. Now, the way they publish these statistics is always a year behind, and there is, of course, still time for more companies to make claims for this period. So it's likely that this figure will be revised again this time next year. But all in all, it, it does show that the trend is that um, companies are getting better value from the incentive. Um, in addition, um, 75% of SMEs are actually making claims worth less than £50,000. So there's a whole host of uh, SMEs out there, smaller SMEs that have um, basically been made aware or found out about R&D tax credits through, through the revenue themselves, through their accountant, through third parties. Uh, so it's good to see that there's a lot of, um, you know, a majority of claims coming in from companies that are, are fairly small and uh, taking, uh, taking R&D tax credits um, to help with their funding. Um, on the other side, looking at RDEC claims, so the average RDEC claim for a large company is now around about £272,000, which is uh, an incredibly, you know, um, it's a great figure actually if you think about it, because what that means is these companies are carrying out R&D in the UK, it's great for the economy, um, and the revenue are recognising that by paying out this incentive. Um, and in, in terms of those large companies, um, 5,900 RDEC claims were submitted in 1617, which is, a, which is once again a massive increase um, since its introduction. So that's a 185% increase uh, in take-up. So what we're seeing is actually more and more companies are, are learning about R&D and more and more companies are, are, are making the claims. Um, so really interesting figures. Um, are there any stats on how active the revenue have been in terms of R&D inquiries? No, it's, it's always a difficult one to, to, to check in on because obviously the revenue keep this sort of information um, to themselves, understandably, because inquiries are quite a serious matter. Um, anecdotally, we think it's around about 7 to 9% of, of all claims are are inquired into, but you know it's it's really difficult to to get that information from the revenue, and that's just based on my conversations with various accountancy firms, really, and just seeing what they're seeing. 
Great. Well, it's good to see. Um, I mean, I personally have seen that awareness has grown significantly uh, around R&D over the last 18 months, uh, particularly with the firms I speak to. Um, you know, it, it, it seems to be that, you know, accountants are generally a lot more aware uh, of R&D and a lot, you know, becoming a lot more proactive in terms of identifying clients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, a lot of, well, let's see if we rewind maybe two or three years ago, I was having conversations with accountancy firms and, you know, a lot of people had heard about R&D, maybe through studying for ACA or CTA or ACCA, um, <clears throat> but they might have just seen it for, you know, maybe a couple of pages in a textbook. So they knew about it, but they didn't know any details of it whatsoever. I think over the last couple of years, what we've seen is, is a growing awareness of R&D tax credits. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of people still struggle with identifying what sorts of activities qualify. I think um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a greater awareness of how much the, the, the incentive is worth. And you know, just to remind ourselves, for an SME, so a small or medium-sized enterprise, it can be worth up to 33 pence in the pound of qualifying expenditure, which is you know, an incredibly high incentive. Um, and then for those large companies under the RDEX scheme, currently around about 10p in the pound. Um, so I think a lot of accountancy firms, a lot of companies are aware of, of the sort of the numerical side of, the, of it, the, the benefits that are out there. I think there's still issues working through what activities qualify. Um, and frequently, you know, we get a lot of people asking us questions, you know, what sort of things qualify? How do we spot R&D? Um, how do I talk to my client about this in, in more detail um, without actually, you know, having a real depth of understanding in their business? One of the things I notice um, when I'm speaking to firms is, you know, a lot of the more obvious R&D, um, the more than comfortable identifying that. Um, when I, you know, start to go through case studies with them and, you know, of, of, of some of the less obvious R&D, you know, a lot, are, a lot are quite shocked as to what, what kind of things might qualify. And then all of a sudden <clears throat> they start to think, they start to think, well, if that applies to that, then potentially it applies to that. Then all of a sudden, you know, an accountant goes from, you know, thinking they may have one or two clients that qualify to maybe thirty or forty. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, the, 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 there is a lot greater scope of R and D than than a lot of people I meet um, realise. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, I think I think the obvious ones, you know, if you think perhaps, um, you know, perhaps software, digital. I think people. Uh, sort of understand there's a lot of R&D in, in the software world at the moment. Uh, I think there's also examples, um, you know, high-tech engineering is one of those ones where you kind of think it's it's sort of obvious that they're doing it. Biochemistry things Bio like that. Yeah, yeah. Pharma, pharma, pharmaceutical things. Um, but, and I, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think what it is, there, there's, there's this lack of awareness about all the other things that qualify. So obviously we're looking there at new, new products, um, but also new processes and systems can qualify where people are working on those. Um, but perhaps another greater area or, or where you know, R&D is happening is the improvements. So an, an, an improvement to a product, to a process, to a system can also qualify. Um, obviously, we still then need to see um, some problems being overcome, so some technological uncertainties being solved, i.e. the problem solving. Um, but if you think of any manufacturing um, company, they're always trying to improve their processes. They're always trying to be efficient. Um, you know, they could be trying to be more energy efficient, or they might be trying to 
be more efficient with their labor, which is all coming back to processes and systems. So if a company is improving processes and systems to make, make their own, um, let's say, factory more efficient, then potentially there's an area there where, where R&D could help. Um, and another area which is also quite interesting is, um, I guess the best way to sort of um, talk about it is, is um, a systems integration. So where you have a, a, a number of um, perhaps bits of hardware or even bits of software um, or plant that all need to be integrated together to actually work, then you know there's potentially qualifying activities there. Um, good examples would be software, obviously, where you're perhaps you're tying up a, a number of different software systems. But also in the world of perhaps construction or buildings, there's a number of uh, system integration projects that usually happen with, uh, you know, maybe the, the HVAC uh, systems, that's the heating, ventilation, air conditioning, or the uh, electrical installation. Um, you know, these days, a lot of buildings are what they call smart. So there's a whole host of uh, IT solutions going on, um, air conditioning in the rooms, you know, you can now use iPads to book rooms, all that sort of stuff. And underpinning all that is usually some sort of system that needs to be, uh, you know, highly communicative with each other, uh, with, with all the other bits of it. And also, it's got to be able to be run by somebody via some sort of control panel. So, um, you know, a couple of examples there where, you know, the new stuff, um, software, engineering, uh, pharmaceuticals, that kind of does lend itself to making people think, yeah, there's, there's definitely R&D there. But don't forget about the improvements um, to products, processes, and systems, and also that systems integration piece as well. Great. Um, <clears throat> I believe you've got a couple of case studies just to run through. Just uh... Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've picked out a couple of um, you know, high-level case studies of some uh, companies we've helped in the last couple of months. Um, the first one is in the world of printing, um, which you might think is a very old-fashioned business, um, and to some extent it can be. Um, but if you think about these days, um, counterfeiting is probably uh, quite uh, sophisticated these days. So if counterfeiting is sophisticated, then actually producing the originals has to be very sophisticated as well. Um, so we recently helped a company that was um, making some government stationery. Um, and the, the guys there were telling us all about these 18 different security systems they have built into each, um, each um, certificate. And it's, it's incredible, really, all the technology um, that goes into it. And I, I can't actually tell you what it is because, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it is actually that, that um, serious. Yeah, don't, don't get us in trouble. <laughs> yeah, we don't get in trouble. Um, but it's surprising, I think, because you think printing, printing presses, you know, that's pretty old-fashioned, but no, it was, you know, completely, completely not. There was, a, there was a lot of really high-tech stuff going on there, which was something that, you know, I didn't appreciate, to be honest. Um, and then the second one, then, is um, it's, it's a construction company who were working on um, new ways of guttering and putting in membranes to stop um, the foundations or the structural foundations of, of um, buildings from, from rotting away while being built. So obviously moisture is not a friend to things like iron um, and, and various other metals and concrete and things like that. So they um, developed a really quick and easy thing to put up that could keep building sites watertight while, uh, you know, before the, the, the actual building is itself watertight. So, you know, it's quite interesting. It was a small company. 
Um, only about uh, eight people involved in the business, but we managed to get some good credits there um, in total of around about £50,000 for two years, which uh, they were delighted with because it meant they could uh, take on another employee and uh, help them grow the business, which is exactly what the incentive is all about, really. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, that's one of the rewarding things I find with R&D. It's, you know, when you speak to clients and you you, you find out what benefit that additional that you know those additional credits have, have have been to them and you know particularly with a lot of the younger companies you know it can be the difference between the business succeeding and the business failing absolutely, absolutely. um and just finally uh, we're going to just have a chat about december year ends obviously uh, one of the more popular year ends yeah absolutely it's a really important um time of the year for two sorts of companies so the first one is obviously obviously december year ends so the way the r d legislation works um, you have effectively two years from the end of your accounting period to submit a claim. So right now, there's a lot of companies with December year-ends probably thinking, um, do I need to make a claim for the year-end in 31st of December 16? And obviously, if they've been carrying out R&D activity, then they need to get that claim into the revenue before the end of December 18. So, you know, we're looking at, what's that? It's probably... 10 weeks away so still plenty of time to raise it with your clients with December year ends um, but obviously the sooner the better um, and then also within the, the corporation tax system obviously we have um, the March year end so those companies with the 31st of March year end who are approaching a payment date so a profitable company would be paying corporation tax with the 31st March year end on the 1st of January 2019 um, so that means obviously that if a company is doing R&D um, what it can do is put the claim in before its payment date and then rather than paying all the corporation tax and perhaps then reclaiming some via an R&D claim later on, they can do the R&D claim now um, and what that will do is reduce a future liability, which obviously is great for cash flow. Um, and obviously both with the SME scheme and the RDEX scheme, uh, you don't need to be profit-making to actually uh, claim this incentive. Loss-making companies for tax purposes can equally benefit. Uh, and in fact, sometimes the, the loss-making SMEs, actually, the incentive is worth a bit more than for profit-making uh, SMEs. So overall, I would say that you know, raising R&D with your clients, it's, it's always a good time to do it. Um, clients really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's about being proactive. It's about being raising this, this incentive before somebody else does. Uh, and just now is a really particularly good time because, you know, the vast majority of companies that we deal with are December year-ends, are March year-ends. So if you extrapolate that out, I think across the country, um, and, you know, the vast majority of your clients will be December or March year-ends. So it's, it's an ideal time to, to raise R&D right now. Fantastic. Thank you for your time today, Alex. Pleasure. Um, obviously, if anybody's got any any, any further questions or, or, or wants to have a chat with somebody, um, if you just drop, any, drop us an email at info at pfprd.co.uk um, or alternatively get in touch with your, your account manager. Um, that's everything for today. Thank you. Bye-bye.